Welcome to the Kingdom Roots Podcast, the conversation designed to look at how the kingdom took root then and how it's taking root now. Today for our episode, we're asking the question, is the God of Christianity and Islam the same? Got, you know, this is something that's obviously been talked about uh, a lot lately, and I think a good place to start with the discussion would be just asking the question, what do people mean, do you think, when they use the word same? Yeah, Chaz, this is a big question. Uh, Professor Laricia Hawkins at Wheaton set off a firestorm at Wheaton in the media, got to Time Magazine, Washington Post, New York Times, everybody got involved in the conversation. And uh, it did not seem to resolve the conversation, but it sure did reveal uh, where people were on some issues. So Professor Hawkins said at Wheaton that uh, that the God that Christians and Muslims worship the same God. Well, immediately this raises questions about words because theologians care about words. Christian theology cares about words. And and Muslims care about the same kinds of words. Uh, Jews are involved in this conversation sort of as a background choir, wondering what these Christians are going to be saying about them next. And so I think that this was a fair question and an important one. And the big issue is that um, the word same can have two distinct meanings. So when Professor Hawkins said that, I immediately went to a post that I wrote years ago when Miroslav Volf, who is a principal thinker in the United States about this topic, wrote a book called Allah. And in that book, he was discussing uh, what Muslims believe about God. Now, it should be clarified that Professor Miroslav Volf was a professor at Fuller. Uh, He grew up in evangelicalism and Pentecostalism. He is a well-known evangelical theologian who has weighed in on this topic now as a professor and theologian at Yale uh, because he is deeply concerned about the problems of interreligious strife and war and persecution throughout the world. And he is trying to propose, along with major leaders in the world, um, how, including Tony Blair, how Christians and Muslims can get along. Well, Miroslav uh, knows. Uh, let's just say that he knows that there are two basic meanings to the word same. When most Christians hear the word same, they think identical. Mm-hmm. Miroslav wanted to nuance this. And I think it is fair to say that what Miroslav Volf means by the word same is sufficiently similar. And he thinks they are sufficiently similar because in Islam, And in Christianity, there is a belief in only one God. There is a belief that God is the creator. There is a belief that God is radically different. There is a belief that the one God of all is good. There is a belief that the one God uh, who is above all and good commands that we love God. And this same God commands that we love others. And that's what Miroslav Wolf was getting at. And he said, when Christians and Muslims agree on the above six claims about God that I just mentioned here, then in their worship of God, they refer to the same God. 
So he thinks that while there are clear differences between Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, differences that should not be minimized in any way, shape, or form, Miroslav Volf says it is fair to say that Christians and Muslims worship the same God and remember that his intent is so that they will work together for peace in the world. Yeah, what? so so when they use when when the word same is often referenced, it seems like it's about getting along, it's about having a you know a commonality between the face and ultimately to, to work towards peace and uh, the the ability just to, to you know be in relationship and, and work with each other. But at, at some point along the line it seems like it, it, it kind of can break down and, and people obviously have contentions about it. Where do you think the, this word same can begin to, to not be so helpful? And, and I know you've kind of said before, muddying the waters. Yeah, I, I think, uh, and right away when Miroslav Wolf wrote his book, I blogged through the book and I took issue with saying that we worship the same God. We can debate both the word worship and the word same. I think that most people, when they hear the word same, are um, going to hear uh, tones of pluralism. They're going to hear tones of relativism. And they're going to think that the word same means identical. And Christians and Muslims do not, in that sense, worship an identical God. Yeah. So I contend that the word same, when it is used in this context, that we worship the same God, uh, does not help anything instead of clarifying it confuses. Instead of helping, it harms and hurts the conversation. And as a result, it just it just rankles people. And the result of it is the opposite of what Miroslav Volf is actually intending to accomplish. And that is so that Christians and Muslims and, and including Jews can work together for peace. Instead, they're fighting about whether they believe in the same yeah, God. Yeah. So I think I think um, you know, while I'm not convinced that Wheaton handled Laricia Hawkins uh, properly. And even after she clarified her statement, it was very yeah. clear some other things were going on besides what she believed. Yeah. I, I, I don't agree with saying that Christians and Muslims worship the same God. I think that just confuses people. Mm -hmm. I don't think that we need to say we worship the same God in order for us to accomplish precisely what Miroslav Volf and many of us would like to have accomplished, namely, that we can work together for the sake of peace by coming at it from our own faiths, that as Christians, we can love God and love others, and that means we love Muslims, and that Muslims can love God and love others, and that means they can love Christians. Jews can love God and love others, and that means they can love Christians and Muslims. I mean, this can work for our benefit. Mm -hmm. And in Wolf's newest book called Flourishing, He's exploring this even further that we should that the seeds of respect of religion are sown within each of these religions. So in the end, Chaz, I think it is unhelpful for us to say that we worship the same God. And and then I would even press further that as Christians, we we have a particular understanding of God, that God was incarnate in Jesus Christ. And as a result of that incarnation in his son, uh, we have learned to understand um, a development from what is found in the Old Testament, the God of Israel, in the God for, for the New Testament, 
becomes a God who is Trinitarian in Father, Son, and Spirit, and this differs wildly from Islam, and frankly, it differs quite distinctly and uh, substantially from uh, Judaism as well. So to me, all talk about worshiping the same God just confuses the issue. Yeah. It's unhealthy. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. So how can, if we're going to work towards peace and um, between all religions, how can we positively talk about these similarities and difference that there clearly are, as you've mentioned? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, you know, I, I, I would want to say this, that as Christians, uh, we are called to follow Jesus. And Jesus has taught us to love God and to love others, and to love our enemies. In fact, uh, instead of calling them our enemies, Jesus teaches us to turn enemies into neighbors. So I don't even like mm -hmm. to say we are to love our enemies because really what Jesus was getting that was the transformation of enemies into neighbors. So let us learn to love Muslims and let us learn to love Jews by making them our neighbors and working together for peace. But I, I, don't, I don't think... Uh, that it that it is at all harmful um, for us to speak about great commonalities between what we believe about God and what Muslims believe about God and what uh, Jews believe about God. After yeah. all, the God of Jesus is the God of Israel. Yeah. Uh, and so the God of the Old Testament, um, I think, can be said uh, is the same object of our worship uh, and that we have understood this God in ways through Jesus that transforms uh, the God of Israel uh, into a God of the Father, Son, and Spirit. And so while we, we can draw deeply from the wells of Moses and the prophets and, the, and David and Isaiah, uh, we know that God became incarnate in Jesus Christ, and this transforms everything we think about God. Hmm. Yeah. So at, at some point, I mean, you, you know, you mentioned Moses and, and obviously, you know, the incarnation of Jesus seems to be an important part of the discussion. Uh, what would you say we needed to know about the divinity of Jesus from the New Testament and how that's important in the discussion of, um, yes, we need to you know, talk about and uh, agree on our commonalities, but uh, this is obviously a pretty major sticking point in, in how we're different. And, and what do we need to know to um, be able to have that conversation? Yeah, I mean, this is the distinctive Christian uh, belief that uh, John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This Word becomes incarnate in Jesus, and we have, uh, we have uh, beheld him. We see him. We touch him. We eat with him. Now, th this is the language of John. And in 1 John, he does the same thing. And the Apostle Paul, in Colossians chapter 1, in that great hymn, the Apostle Paul can say that Christ um, is, the, is the creator of all, and all creation comes through him, in him, and is designed to find its completion and fulfillment and climax in him. So Paul, writing, probably using a hymn within a couple decades after the death of Jesus, already thinks Jesus is the creator of all, and all of creation is aimed to bring glory to this Son. Yeah. So we, we have a belief in Christianity 
from the very beginning that something radically different is at work among us. And that is, we believe that God became incarnate in Christ and that this incarnate one lived among us. Mm -hmm. This incarnate one taught us how to live. This incarnate one did miracles and demonstrated the powers of God at work in the world. This incarnate one was crucified. And in that crucifixion, we see the heart of God, not only for us, but identifying with us so that we might become the kinds of people he wants us to be. But death did not have the final word. This incarnate one who was crucified was raised from the dead. And now we worship a God who is revealed to us most dramatically and clearly in a, a human being who lived and died, was buried and was raised. And we understand God most deeply by looking into the face of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. And, it, you know, it's that central message that's so clearly laid out again and again throughout the sermons in Acts. And, you know, we see it obviously all through Paul and the, the driving force and the power of um, Jesus's entire life and empowering the early church to do the things and live the way that God called them to be. And the kingdom, the church, grew as a result of it. And, um, and I think that, you know, that's what should be driving the church today. Um, yeah, I can yeah, never I, just shy away from that. You know, I want to say another thing is uh, I learned this from Tom Wright years ago in, a, in the Lincoln lecture that he gave early, much earlier in his career. When he made this observation, and I think this is very helpful for us to understand, and it sets this whole discussion about the same God into a different context. And that was this discussion. Frequently people say, uh, I'm going to try to show to you that Jesus was God. And the way I do that is I tell you who God is, mm-hmm. and then I compare Jesus to this God, and I conclude, therefore, Jesus is God. Where in that comparison, think about this, we know who God is, and we're asking if Jesus meets our definition. Tom Wright said, no, no. He says it actually works the other way. We know God in Jesus Christ. We know who Jesus Christ is, and therefore, we know who God is. Mm. So we know about God through Jesus Christ. Well, this is a complete turning around of this conversation from same God is that we focus instead of saying, how are our gods similar? We focus instead on Jesus Christ and what he has revealed to us about who God is, that this is a God of love, a God of grace, and dramatically a God who becomes like us, one of us, in order that we might become like him and enjoy fellowship and union with him. Yeah, I love the illustration of, uh, you know, talking about um, like, you know, God is, is above and the top of the mountain. And, um, you know, people try to say, well, it doesn't matter which way you go up to go up the mountain, the route that you take. It's the fact that you get there. And you know, what we see in Christianity you know, is what we've talked about in the person of Jesus is we know God in Jesus. It's not about the route that we take up the mountain, but it's the fact that God came down the mountain. Mm. And, you know, that's the, the uniqueness and the difference that I think Christianity and following Jesus sets us apart in, in all other religions. 
Yeah, I, I have never heard anyone say that. I've heard many people use that analogy that mm -hmm. God is a mountain and we climb the mountain from different angles, but it's the same God. I've heard the same story about an elephant and yeah. a blindfold. I really like, uh, Chaz, that idea that God has come down from the mountain. And now we don't need to climb the mountain. We have seen Jesus among us. We have tasted him. We have touched him. We have listened to him, uh, John says in 1 John. So therefore, uh, I think that our understanding of God is a completely different understanding. And the debate about whether we worship the same God, I think, distracts us many times yeah, um, from loving our neighbor uh, as ourselves. So I know... Uh, You've done some research on conversion from one religion to another, and you know if somebody were to you know, believe in Jesus as we've described them so far, that's a radical transformation in their life, and, and that would bring about major differences. Do you have anything you know, from that research that that you would say would be helpful as um, you know we look at different religions, but not just looking at different religions, but sometimes people moving in their life from one religion to another yeah I mean this is a this is a, a very big topic but uh, for instance uh, in the story of a Jew becoming a Christian and there's plenty of these stories the central question is not uh, do I believe in God Jews believe in God so they, they aren't really stumbling over the debate about God they stumble over the question whether Jesus was the Messiah so they're asking that question. Is the Jesus that you Christians talk about, is the Jesus of the Gospels um, comprehensible and consistent with what the Bible, the Old Testament, teaches about Messiah? So this is a brilliant uh, observation for this whole issue about same God. In Christianity, for a Jew, the central question is, is Jesus the Messiah? So the central question gets focused uh, not so much on who God is, but who is Jesus. And so it draws that conversation into the centrality of Jesus for understanding God. And though I have not done uh, specific research on Islam and con conversion from Islam to Christianity, I have read uh, enough stories to be able to say that uh, there are some major stories of visions of Jesus. In fact, I've read story after story of Muslims who convert have had visions and encounters and dreams with Jesus appearing to them. And this again draws the centrality of the Christian faith to Jesus rather than to a theoretical and an abstract debate about God and even the doctrine of the Trinity. So I like this conversation about conversion because all the conversion stories I've read from Judaism to Christianity or from Islam to Christianity are encounters with Jesus, centering every story and every conversion upon the question, who is Jesus? And I think that that's exactly what we try to teach, is that we learn about God by looking at Jesus. Absolutely. And, you know, obviously, as 
it has to hold up that way to encounter Jesus. If you know Jesus' story in life is, is, is so important and in, in how he lived, the miracles, and his ministry, and his death, burial, and, and resurrection, that that is if that is the central point of our faith, then there has to be an encounter with him if a conversion is to take place. And, and I I think what's important, I mean, it's maybe for us as we think about you know how does the the church take root today and how do we live out being Jesus. Um, we've mentioned already the centrality and importance of going back to loving God and, and loving our neighbors. So I'd be curious, you know, do you have any ways, what do you think would be some ways that we can love our Muslim neighbors in a way that Jesus would want us to love them? Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, at one level, this is simple. Uh, and at another level, it's uh, profoundly challenging and difficult. Uh, I, I would want to say a couple things. The first is, uh, we have to have Muslim neighbors in order to love Muslim neighbors. And some of us live in parts of the world and parts of the suburbs where there are very few Muslims that we encounter. Uh, when I was in the city of Chicago teaching at a, another institution, I frequently encountered Muslims and I had Muslim students at North Park University. Uh, I teach at a seminary now, a Christian seminary, and, and we don't have any Muslim students. And I don't frequent, I don't encounter as many Muslims as I once did. Um, the second thing is, I think we are called uh, not simply to love our Muslim neighbors, but to love any neighbor who happens to be in our path. This is the great teaching that Jesus taught us about the Good Samaritan, is that the Levite and the priest uh, wanted to love people who fit their definition of purity, and the Samaritan was willing to love anyone in his path. So I think you and I have to be open to the encounter with any of our neighbors. This leads to another one, and that is, because there's so much strife in the world between Christians and Muslims, in a sense, and this is especially the case in the news, not least because of the uh, kind of rhetoric that is used in election season, um, and that is, I think we need intentionally to be about the business of trying to strike up relationships with Muslims, and trying to, uh, trying to understand Islam. I know I read about Islam because I want to understand it more. Uh, it's a bigger issue. This is why I believe Miroslav Volf is a public intellectual today uh, at the very highest level because this is the topic that concerns him so much, and this is a topic that is, gonna, that is going to dominate the conversation probably for the rest of our lives. And the final thing is this. Uh, I think we have to understand what love means. And love is a great idea to ape the words of C.S. Lewis until you have a Muslim neighbor to love. Mm. Uh, but what does it mean to love someone? It's, you know, it doesn't mean I, I want to be happy about them. I want to feel good about them. Uh, I want to call them my friend. In the Bible, love is defined by how God loves his people and loves his creation and has shown his love in Christ. And I've broken this down into four parts, and I think you'll see the significance of this for the question about same God, and even the question about uh, loving our Muslim neighbors. And that is, love is a, is a rugged commitment to another person. It is secondly, a rugged commitment to be with them. And this is to make a commitment to spend time with that person in their presence and they in our presence. It is a rugged commitment to be with a person. Thirdly, then, it is a rugged commitment to be with another person 
for the sake of demonstrating our advocacy for them. It is to be for that person. They need to know that we love them and that we are in their corner and we want them to be everything God has made them to be and to develop their gifts and, and to, uh, to encourage them. And then finally, uh, this is where Christian understanding of love veers from all other understandings of love, especially the kind of love defined in the dictionary. And that is, it is a rugged commitment, first, then, secondly, to be with someone, third, to be for them, and fourth, it is a rugged commitment unto Christ-likeness, so that we are growing in Christ-likeness in the presence of other people as we help them to grow into Christ-likeness. This involves, of course, evangelism, but it also involves just a rugged commitment to be with someone. Now, all of a sudden, I'm asked, what does it mean to love my neighbor who is a Muslim? It means that I have to be willing intentionally to make a rugged commitment to spend time with them, to spend enough time with them that they know that I love them and that I'm in their corner and that we are going to engage in conversations about Jesus as they're going to ask me to be engaged in conversations about Muhammad. And this is, I think, the only reasonable way for Christians to say that they love their neighbors as themselves when their neighbors are Muslims. And this is where it all comes down. This is exactly what Miroslav Volf was getting at. He said that we should be able to work together because we love God and love others for the sake of peace in this world. And so I think we finished where we began that while I don't, I don't appreciate, and I think it's confusing to say we worship the same God, we have the same result, and that is that we need to make commitments to love one another so that we can work for peace in this world and make uh, the world, in a sense, a better place. Absolutely. Thanks, Scott. You know, it's amazing how, how simple that command to love, and I love that you laid it out with the commitment to be with them, uh, ruggedly with them, and to advocate for them like Christ, and, and be like Christ in that relationship. And it's amazing how simple that is, but, but it's not easy, and it's challenging, and, and it takes hard work. But when we do that, um, you know, roads do get forged, and relationships come out of that. And, and that is, I really believe, how God works in us as, as the church, and, and how He wants us to help others encounter Jesus by the way that we live. I totally agree, Chaz. That is uh, that is so true. It is simple, uh, but the minute you start loving someone uh, that way, it becomes a life of challenge and growth and reward and enhancement of what God is doing in this world. Um. Well, thanks for joining us today on the Kingdom Roots podcast with Scott McKnight. Um, we hope this was helpful in being able to, to think through this question, is God of Christianity and Islam the same? And how do we love our Muslim neighbors? Because that's really what it all comes down to. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.